0: Hello, this is Pastor John Willingham of Doylestown Presbyterian Church. It's clear these days, it's tough to make time. Schedules quickly become busy and calendars suddenly become full. To that end, DPC is excited to now offer this podcast channel, which will allow you to hear a recording of Sunday's sermon from that day's preacher. Whether you listen while taking an evening stroll, driving to and from the grocery store, or anytime you get a free couple of minutes, We hope it can allow for reflection and spiritual growth during your week. We also invite you to visit www.dtownpc.org to learn more about our church, our various ministries and online giving opportunities. Thank you for tuning in. Yesterday marked 20 years. It has now been two decades since that moment when September 11th became more than simply another date on the calendar, and when that image of 9 backslash 11 became this enduring image of a culture-altering moment. For those of you who lived through that time, it likely seems hard to imagine that it has been that long. And yet one gauge of how much time has gone by is the fact that the vast majority of college students today were either born after 9-11 or have very little conscious memory of it. For most of them, it has taken the place now with the Kennedy assassination and the attack on Pearl Harbor something older members of their family might talk about, but moments which for them will simply be another lesson in their American history class. For those of us who walk through those hours though, whether it involved the death of a loved one or simply watching on from afar with horror and fear It is clearly one of those times that becomes a defining sort of moment as we speak of life before and after 9-11. Like many of you, I have spent time in recent days reading articles about that time and what has changed, watching television specials and, and remembering all that happened in that blur of time, even the weather yesterday with its blue skies and its touch of fall, evoked the reality of that day. The most significant piece that I saw was a documentary found on Apple TV that tells the story of 9-11 from the perspective of President George W. Bush and those who journeyed with him throughout that day. And it offers these behind-the-scenes videos and photos of moments that marked that time, starting with a glimpse of an early morning jog the president took, and then that iconic photo of him sitting in a school classroom as his head of staff whispers in his ears, America is under attack. We watch as you see the frustration on the president's face when the Secret Service won't let him go back to Washington immediately. And then you see events as they unfold leading up to and following the televised address he made to the nation that night. There were some lighthearted moments as part of that documentary, including the moment the president tracked down his parents and learned that they were in Milwaukee, and he says to his mother, why are you in Milwaukee? And she said, because you grounded my plane. (laughs) There were things in that documentary that either I had forgotten or never knew, namely that Air Force One experienced threats of its own as the president was traveling on it. And that that secure place in the White House where many officials had gathered literally began to run out of oxygen. And so they had to make many leave that secure space. It was a fascinating film. They gave an opportunity to hear in present day words from our former president and vice president, cabinet officials and journalists who traveled with the President throughout that day, but the most telling comment of all for me came from one who was then the National Security Advisor, Condoleezza Rice, who simply said, we saw evil that day. We did. And yet today is 9-12. Most of those remembrances Formal observations have drawn to a close, and the conversation has moved on to other topics. But we have gathered in a place of worship. And so the question that I would like to pose for us on this day is this. How do we best honor the lives and sacrifice and lessons of 9-11 or put more succinctly, how do we best live on 912? Our biblical texts offers us some insights into that whole matter. It does not describe, of course, a moment when 3,000 innocent people died, but only one. Nor does it depict a day when law enforcement or firefighters or other first responders went toward danger but instead how many scattered it does even describe a moment that instantly became known around the world but instead tells of events that only gradually became known as the years and centuries passed. and yet in mark's account we do hear of a time when a group of faithful women and men felt as if their world was coming to an end. When the dreams that they had held suddenly felt as if they had been overcome by evil. And what a few of them did next. Our text describes events late on that Friday of long ago. And prior to the moment that we join the narrative, there has been this blur of events. Jesus has been with his disciples for, with, for a meal for the final time. One has left to betray him, and soon Jesus is arrested and endures a succession of trials and accusations, all of which are false, Jesus is handed over to the soldiers after the crowds declare that he is the one who should be put to death. And even while on the cross, soldiers are casting lots for his clothes and passerbys are mocking him. And only then does Jesus breathe his last. It is then that we pick up the narrative. As Mark tells us that Joseph of Arimathea boldly went to Pilate and asked for Jesus's body. Why was it bold? Because Joseph was part of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish council who had orchestrated Jesus's death. And so even in making that request, Joseph knew his life would be forever changed. Pilate got confirmation that Jesus had in fact died and then released the body to Joseph wrapped it in a linen cloth, placed it in a tomb, and rolled a stone in front of it, and we are told that women were watching and seeing what had happened. Earlier, we had been told that there were three women, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, who had seen it all happen. With that moment, though, the 9-11 of that era came to an end. For it was the Sabbath, which meant that those faithful Jewish individuals now began to mark a time of complete rest, a time now marked by this profound grief. And it was only when it ended that Mark tells us that early on the first day, After the sun had risen, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome went to the tomb. The flow of events on Friday had not permitted Jesus' body to be anointed in the way that it customarily would happen after one had died. And so these women had gathered the spices, and then they acted. Now, as the narrative continues, they discover the tomb is empty and soon word gets out of all that has happened, but we stop at this point with what those women did. Because I think their choices on that day have something to say to us about 912. For they could not undo what had occurred, but they could offer this final act of devotion and care. Joseph couldn't change what had just happened, but he could offer acts of decency and courage. They did the most basic things of all that they could do, and that is the calling for us in a moment like this as well. For thankfully, there are not many times that we experience that have the emotional heights, or perhaps more accurately, the emotional depth of a 9-11 or Jesus's crucifixion. But there are moments that we all experience when it feels as if life has quickly changed, when a loved one dies, or a dream is shattered, when a betrayal becomes clear or when suddenly a job we thought we would have forever disappears. In those moments, and others like them, the emotions are the same. A sense of being stunned, of looking at how things have quickly changed and wondering what comes next. And it is in a moment like that that four people of the past show us the way. Eric Adams is the Democrat nominee for mayor of New York City. And in an article that appeared just a few days ago, the piece really was about would New Yorkers come back to the city as the impact of the pandemic begins to ease. And as part of that, Adams speaks of of his own remembrances from 20 years ago. As on 9-11, he was a uniformed NYPD officer, a first lieutenant in Brooklyn's 88th precinct. And he talks about that moment. As when he was working election duty, he saw the towers crumble. And he said, That night I went down there and saw how devastating it was to all of us. There's something else that a lot of people don't acknowledge He con- went on, and that's 9-12. To me, 9-12 is the most significant part of the journey he went on, on that day, the day after we got up. New Yorkers got up. Teachers taught. Builders continued to build. We said that we're not going to crumble. A city that went through 9-11 and recovered, he concluded, can go through COVID and recover. We have the resiliency. We're going to continue moving forward. How do we best honor the sacrifice and the loss of life that happened 20 years ago yesterday? How do we best remember And act upon those lessons, even as we continue to give thanks for those who protect us. Certainly part of what we do is we stop and we recall and we offer a prayer for all those lives lost and those who continue to grieve. Equally clear, Is that we tell those stories to the generations that came after 9-11 so that they might know something of what that day was like and the ways it continues to shape us all but in the midst of all of that three women and one man from long ago remind us that we also need to be engaged in the more ordinary acts of living. For part of the invitation of 9-12 is that we keep doing our homework and keep planning the sales calls for tomorrow. We keep protecting our children and we keep listening to our elders. We keep writing letters to legislators, and we keep mowing the grass. We keep washing dishes, and we keep engaging in acts of compassion. And yes, we keep gathering for worship, and we keep presenting infants for baptism. For in all of those steps, we reveal that yes, we saw evil on that day, but that evil never has the final word. And that instead, in life and in death, we belong to God. On this September 12th, and all the days to come. Let us pray. We give thanks, O God, for your presence with us in every moment. We look back on those events from two decades ago and have relived the horror and loss, the confusion and fear that marked that time. And yet we give thanks for the certainty that you carried us in that chapter of life and that you continue to be present and go before us. So help us honor all of those who went before. Help us to celebrate what is happening still. By continuing to carry out those very deeds that demonstrate our trust and love of you. For it is in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us on your journey of faith. Don't forget to check out www.dtownpc.org to explore all the ways DPC strives to be a bridge for Christ and a beacon of His love.